0: everyone and welcome to the Nerd Room we talk all things comics and movies. This is episode number 49 we're discussing easter eggs in comic book movies. I'm Ernie Rose Tim. I'm Troy. It's been somewhat of a slow week in the comic book slash movie world. We don't have any new trailers but we do have a ton of news to talk yes. about. A lot of little tidbits floating out there from the Star Wars universe, the comic book universe, some big reveals in these number one issues that Marvel's dropping and also some hints towards what we're going to see in the Han Solo movie.
1: Yeah, some, some big stuff going
0: on. Very exciting stuff going on in the nerd world. And we're going to get into all that before we discuss Easter eggs in comic book movies. This has become something that's somewhat of a staple for comic book movies now. Seeding the future, the tip of the hat, the nod to the audience. We're absolutely loving what they're doing here with all of the movies. It's fantastic to be in the know or feel like you're in the know here. Yeah. And we're going to go through some of our favorite Easter eggs in the Marvel, DC, even Star Wars movies, and discuss a bit about their importance and how they can lead to slight missteps, even, and painting yourself or writing yourself into somewhat of a corner.
1: Yeah, and we'd love to hear your guys' favorite Easter eggs, too. So, you know, hit us up in the chat boards.
0: Yeah, definitely. Hashtag Enter the Nerd Room or hit us up on Twitter or Facebook, YouTube comments. We're looking for you guys to participate in this conversation. Let us know what are your favorite Easter eggs in Marvel, DC, Star Wars, or across all film. Even Pixar's got a lot of Easter eggs built in. Yeah. Yeah, the Pixar theory. Yes, exactly. Love it. But before we get into all that, we're going to discuss some of this news. Cool. Justice League, a movie that comes out next year. Highly anticipated. Thought to be the film that could save the DC Cinematic Universe, potentially after Wonder Woman.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of writing on this one. There certainly is.
0: And there's rumors now, and these are rumors that have been propagated through the the rumor mill for the last little while, but it's been somewhat kind of hinted at Mm -hmm. that there's going to be a Green Lantern showing up in this movie in some capacity. What are your thoughts on this? Do you think it's going to be... How I've always theorized that the Guardians are going to show up in Infinity War just show up right at the end and be like, Thanos is coming, or someone's coming, or yeah. Darkseid's coming. Like, is it going to be a glorified cameo? I think they're going to be a pivotal part in this film.
1: I think it's going to be a pretty cool cameo, and you know, this is—I gotta say—this is the most exciting news I've heard coming out of this movie. I'm not the biggest Green Lantern. Fan, I don't read his comic books, but I've always liked him in the animated stuff and and what I've seen. So, them, you know, kind of ensuring us that Green Lantern's going to show up, I'm totally on board with. And I would really like to see a cameo, you know, maybe Green Lantern's taking on um, Stephen Wolf from Beyond Earth and then he kind of crash lands and this huge battle breaks out and, you know, the Justice League forms and saves the day. But I would really like to see, um, you know, either Hal Jordan or obviously the must have Jon Stewart. Yeah. I think John Stewart would be a cool route to go to get away from the Ryan Reynolds one. But um, it's pretty cool. I guess the biggest question now is who do they cast to play mm. the Green Lantern? I know Idris Elba has been uh, a frontrunner for the longest time, but he is pretty locked up with uh, with Marvel there, right? Yeah. So.
0: And even the Dark Tower stuff now, too yes
1: yes that's right
0: i think you're right and they have to go with someone completely different almost the direction that i wanted them to go with a miles morales is yeah. that a completely different character and do something just very different to distance yourself from that original green lantern movie mm-hmm. and open your world up to something that could be a huge franchise right yes. The green lanterns and that's coming out i think in 2020 so it's a, a long ways away for that Film franchise to get more or less rebooted in mm-hmm. this current DC cinematic universe, but having them introduced in this, I think, is the right direction. Opening up the universe, you are going to have Dark Side Step Move, all these elaborate concepts, yes. space universes, all this kind of stuff. Yeah, why not bring in the Green Lanterns? It's an appropriate forum to do that. I think.
1: Yeah, I think that'd just be great. And you don't even have to make him a, like a cast member of the team. You just got to introduce him no. in this film. Yeah. And I
0: think going back, and I know I've said this numerous times on various podcasts here, is that. AVX, it started with Nova crashing into the ground saying it's coming referring to the Phoenix Force either Marvel or DC has to do something like that and that's your quick cameo you know You get the audience hooked Who are these guys I've, I've seen them before Yeah And who's coming Like th- that's a huge hook I think And it leaves you on The massive cliffhanger While also introducing A new character And a new Just I really really hope That someone does that Eventually Yeah I,
1: I totally want that Whether it's um, You know if they do it With the Green Lantern <laughs> Or if they do it With the Silver Surfer oh, You know Like how cool would that be So Unbelievable Yeah Yeah But it would be A great introduction
0: It certainly would Spider-Man Homecoming So this is another movie That's dropping next year and. Yeah. We're looking at potentially getting a trailer with Rogue One. Yeah. You are a Spider-Man <laughs> fanboy through and through. Absolutely. Let me hear your thoughts on Can't the potential wait. for getting oh. this trailer.
1: This is going to be awesome. Um, I think it's going to be probably a little bit different or a lot different than what they got in Comic-Con. Because I guess if you were actually present at Comic-Con, you got to see it in Hall H. I'm pretty sure, obviously, the, the movie's done. They're done filming. So they got a lot more footage they put, put together for this trailer. So it's going to be pretty cool, man, you know, seeing that on the big screen, I'm sure we'll obviously get it probably four or five or maybe even a week before it actually comes out, World yeah. One, because, you know, with the internet and YouTube, that's how they do it. But still, there's nothing like seeing a trailer on the big screen or the IMAX, better yet. So I can't wait, man. I, I have a lot riding on this movie. I'm a big Spider-Man guy, like you just mentioned, and I'm a big Star Wars guy. So this is best of both yeah. worlds right here. <laughs> awesome
0: what do they need to show you in this trailer to get you hooked like you're hooked no matter what like yeah. the rest of us here we love these movies we love Marvel but what do you need to bring you more into this movie because you know we've got some hints of it his Civil War appearance was fantastic mm-hmm. we're into the character what do you need to- To be brought more into the world. To kind of step away from what they've done with the other cinematic universes of Spider-Man. Yeah.
1: The humor. Yeah. You gotta keep up with the humor. Um, I don't need to see any more web swinging. We've seen some really cool web swinging. You know, the Amazing Spider-Man 2 trailer. That was awesome. But I want to see more Peter Parker. I want to see the the high school stuff going on. I'm a sucker for Spider-Man with a backpack. You you, you (laughs) show me that and I'm sold. So, um... Yeah, I can't wait. And i got, I got to see Vulture. I want to see the take on this Vulture. What they're going to yeah. do, because Vulture, classic Vulture, even modern Vulture, he's kind of a goofy-looking character. Yeah. So I'd really like to see how that armor, how that suit's going to look. We've had some concept art, but um, I'd love to see that in live motion.
0: Yeah. Oh, I agree. I think showing the villain here, because there's been some uncertainty around their look and how it'll actually fit into the MCU, and I think that'll alleviate some of the concerns with an older Vulture yes. and some of this technology based vulture costume that we're seeing mm-hmm. and there's lots of rumors about different villains being in this or at least seeding right. some Shocker. of those guys yeah yep. and so it would be interesting just to throw these guys out there and just say here's a quick glimpse of vulture I think they have to go down that path to mm. kind of show what this movie is going to be and you're right with the humor it's this movie the tone has to be set from this first trailer yes. continuing on from what we saw in Civil War. And I don't know if we're going to get the Tony appearance in this trailer, yeah. but maybe some sort of hint towards his capacity or what he's going to be doing in this film as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. Sticking with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we talked last week about the Inhumans and their epic kind of cinematic two-parter episode that they're going to be showing on IMAX. And they released the dates. We speculated that it's going to be towards the end of the summer, maybe August time frame. But we're looking at Labor Day. September 4th this is going to drop for a two-week period cool. in IMAX format. And it's going to be picked up on ABC with those two episodes. Again, they have confirmed they're going to be re-showing them on ABC, but with slightly more scenes built into them. So you do have a reason to go back to the ABC oh. to watch them. But this is looking really cool. IMAX apparently yep. is paying for the first two episodes. Wow. And so it looks like they're trying to encourage other TV series to be doing something similar and using this IMAX format to present your TV shows for the first time to the wider audience.
1: That's genius. You know, I'm still trying to wrap my brains around this when the first time you initially dropped this information to me. So I think that's really cool. And, you know, going back again to what Game of Thrones have done with this whole movie-going experience, and, it, you know, there's what better way to put people back in the chairs in the theaters, you know? So, um I think this is great. I'm I'm not the biggest humans person, but I'm definitely going to be out there watching yeah. uh, both episodes on the big screen. And uh, we'll see what it does if it gets me into the whole episodes, the whole season.
0: Yeah. yeah. And so if you're worried about this not showing in your country or wherever, so apparently it's going to be showing on a th- in a thousand locations in 74 different countries. Oh, okay. So there should be no worry about whether or not you're going to be able to find this. Or not. It's not going to be a North America or states-only type release. This is going to be a global release of this. So this is almost... As wide as you're getting for a big movie, movie. right? Yeah, and so it. it's it's pretty crazy. And sucking up the Labor Day weekend, yeah. the IMAX format there too. So I don't know what movie drops opposite of this, or if there is something. Usually over the Labor Day weekend, mm. end of summer, something fairly substantial drops because you do have the three four day weekend in the states so you're trying to capture that audience so mm-hmm. this is going to be directly competing with big budget films
1: yeah i think uh dark Tower's even been pushed back to around that time I oh really think. okay so that'll be interesting but again uh, hopefully this opens up the gateway for netflix i would love to see uh the defenders on yeah. the big screen or, or any netflix property
0: how fantastic would that be yeah. the defenders first two episodes yeah On
1: IMAX. Right, or a step further, Stranger Things. You know, like, it can happen. The the doors have been opened.
0: Yeah, Yeah, and with IMAX kind of ponying up here and putting money into this, they're investing in these properties Mm -hmm. now. And so they're investing in putting these type of TV shows onto the big screen. So it's a huge step forward for TV, for IMAX, for this type of experience watching as far as TV goes and mm-hmm. so it's a little different than even the movies because this is something that's going to be now projected onto the TV screen a little later on
1: that's right and can these things be nominated for Oscars now yeah. <laughs> can you imagine? I don't know
0: what the criteria I think it has yeah. must be must some, be a lot of stuff yeah some length there. or time Man. <laughs> I don't know though right like
1: theatrical lease that's yeah. that's a check mark right there I
0: don't know I don't know, I yeah, don't know how that works maybe I may have to look yeah. into that a little more yeah. because that would be interesting if you guys got some thoughts on that um, if this can now be nominated for an Oscar for some, even some sort of visual or technical, that's part, true right? too. So wow. we'll see how much money they've actually dumped into this when we see the theatrical version of this IMAX. It's going to show if you haven't spent the money on it. Mm-hmm. So there will be hair on this if they haven't dumped, you know, the millions of dollars that you need to produce some sort of content here that's going to look visually stunning right. on your IMAX format. You don't do IMAX format unless you're doing something big scale. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So,
0: Rogue One's dropping very, very oh, soon. Oh, man. This is something that we've been anticipating for better part of two years now. Yeah. It's been confirmed that as of this recording, so we're recording on Tuesday night, so you'll be hearing this on Thursday, in the UK, Rogue One tickets are going on sale Wednesday at 12.01 a.m. And so it's being speculated that here in North America, tickets are going on sale Thursday or Friday. So, be on a lookout, you know, keep your eyes glued to StarWars.com, Cineplex, and even all the sites that do report tickets fandango and all that mm-hmm. because our tickets are going to be dropping for this very very soon and if you want that first showing that imax showing the 720 or whatever on the thursday we're gonna need to get in there quick that's like december 15th i guess basically then yeah it'll yeah, be yeah. it's december 15th yeah. it's 720 or whatever the, the usual showing is huh. for us here in north america at least in calgary here and i've got my eyes set i've already got Almost 20 people confirmed.
1: (laughs) Wow. I'm curious to know, what was it like for Force Awakens last year?
0: As far as the tickets? Yeah. So I can't remember exactly when they put them on sale, but again, I did buy 20. Wow. And my wife and I, because you can only buy 10 at a time. Okay. So we're on two separate laptops. Wow. And we got the the choose your own seat, so we don't have to do the line thing and all that. We did get 20 seats for all of us when we did go. Awesome. These tickets, it's funny because everyone who's anyone that i know mm-hmm. everyone knows that i'm like i'm like we're the star wars guys yeah. and all that right and oh, are you guys going get me in i've already got people giving me money <laughs> yeah my buddy brad brad shout shout out. shout out to brad yeah, yeah he's a, he's a listener here and he come he was by my house the other day and he said here's my 20 bucks for the ticket i'm wow. in wow
1: got to love that so and there's yeah. early
0: reports here of the opening weekend for Rogue One, and they're talking about about a 130 to $150 million opening weekend. Wow. Which is really big considering this is a much smaller film, mm-hmm. maybe not financially, but a much smaller film as far as the story. We're getting away from talking about Skywalkers, we're getting away from talking about the Force and all, the all Jedis, that. The right? Jedi's, right? Yeah. Well, I guess the Force is going to be built a lot into that. <laughs> it's more so the Jedi's. Yeah. And it's a property that people are somewhat unfamiliar with. If Rogue One can take a haul of that size on its opening weekend, it'll be the second largest just behind The Force Awakens. $100 million less than The Force Awakens nonetheless, but this isn't the first movie out of the gates in 10 years and all that. So Great. expectations are high for this, and I think this is going to reaffirm the fact that these anthology movies are going to be not only profitable, but probably... I'm hoping really well received here. Yeah.
1: yeah, I'm hoping so because there's a lot riding on these. Because, yeah, like you said, these anthology films, this is the first one coming out of Star Wars. Is this something that they they're going to want to continue with? Because they're already locked in now with Han Solo yeah. and potentially maybe a Boba Fett film. We don't really know. Or an Obi Wan Kenobi movie. So I think this movie's going to have a lot of replay value, though. I think Because this is. leads right into episode four. It's going to get a lot of people reading the book of uh, of Catalyst, which we're both reading right now. And if you have oh. not picked this book up, guys, this is a must have of any of the other Star Wars books. I say this is a must have going into Rogue One. There, so um, yeah, a lot writing on this movie.
0: It's yeah, it's just off that Catalyst book. I just got to say too, like I'm about twelve chapters in. Yeah, Krennic, my god, is he a villain? He, yeah, oh. right.
1: The villain of all villains right now. Yeah. This guy is incredible.
0: He's more Thrawn than Thrawn is on Rebels right now. Like I know we're going to get developed into Thrawn a bit more, and mm-hmm. if you want to hear our thoughts on Star Wars Rebels, go check out our podcast, <laughs> Star Wars Rebels Alert, in the same feed you're listening to right now. drops every Monday. Shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, check this book out. It's absolutely fantastic. You're seeing a lot of the development of the relationship between Krennic and Galen Erso. <laughs> so it's, it's a really good book, and I think it's, it's going to be quite valuable, and it's going to really enhance the experience of Rogue One going into this, understanding the dynamic between the two, because I think you're going to get a lot of that in the film itself.
1: Yeah, yeah. Great book. Shout out to James Lucino because guys, I'm telling you, this book
0: is awesome. Yeah, yeah. off off the charts. Kid. Yeah. You mentioned young Han Solo. Yes. We got another casting announcement here. So we already have Aldrich Einreich.
1: Yes, that's good. That's really good. <laughs> I can't Not do bad. that.
0: <laughs> playing Han Solo himself. We've got Donald Glover playing Lionel Cal And we have the announcement of Amelia Clark. She has joined in a female lead role of to some capacity here. That's
1: right, the Queen of Dragons.
0: Yes, yes, and she's a great presence on screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, she does have the acting chops, and she has the physical chops as yep. well. She did Terminator Genesis. Mm-hmm. Wasn't the best movie in the world? <laughs>
1: no, no,
0: and she actually did another movie. Uh, I forgot the guy's name. He's from the
1: Hunger Games. I don't think it was that well received, though. Can't remember, but okay. it's like a love
0: story movie. Yeah, But uh, yeah, I'm curious to see how that all turns out. Yes, and you know, with the inclusion also and the confirmation that Chewbacca is going to be in this film, yes, this is another one of these anthology films. It's you know it's shaping up
1: here. It is. It's all starting to come together.
0: Who do you think she could be playing?
1: Whew. That's a tough one. Um, I don't know. You know what? It's kind of funny because this is going to be the third, maybe even fourth Game of Thrones character that we've had cast in these Star Wars films. Yeah, and they've all had very minor roles. Yeah, uh, you look at Captain Phasma, and you look at. Um, Lauren Sinteca, yeah, Lauren Sinteca, right? Yeah. They've all had very minor roles in these movies. I wonder how big her role could be as well. I think she's definitely more of a stronger actress on Game of Thrones. That's her thing, as opposed to a movie, let alone leading one. Yeah. So I really don't know. I don't know who she could be. I think she's going to be an all new, all original character. Yeah, going into this. Yeah.
0: Some of the ideas I was playing around with, you know, cool. Marit Jade. Like I know oh. she's not redhead, and that, and you know, they've they've transported Thrawn from a post Return of yes. the Jedi into the pre OT sort of. Uh, era here yeah could they be doing something with mara jade now she doesn't show up and she turns out to be at least in the legend series spoilers for the legend series she's you know the right hand of of palpatine she's you know turns out to be a jedi she marries luke they have a child all this kind of stuff so i know it's not really in the the terms of this is a character that's going to have the same sort of story arc that we do see that thrawn is almost taking up just pre- original trilogy, Mm -hmm. but it'd be interesting to see if they at least leverage a bit of these old legacy characters. Yeah, the elements at least from them. Yeah. And, you know, what about
1: Sabine? Oh, yeah, I'm really on board with that one. I really think Sabine... Anyone coming out of uh, Rebels, I would I would like her yeah. to come out. Her or um, Kanan. Those yeah. are the two that I really want to come out of those.
0: And it really depends on the era or the time frame that this is set in, right? Mm-hmm. Because we still are a bit unclear as to exactly where this is going to sit relative to the TV series, relative to the original trilogy of Rogue One. Our, our assumption is that he's about 25-ish yeah. in A New Hope. Yes. And so even if we go five years before that, that still puts us in a Rebels time frame. And if we take some elements from the Legends universe where yeah. Han Solo did for a period of time attended Imperial Academy, yes. so did Sabine. Right. And I know, I'm not sure how old Sabine's actually supposed to be in Rebels. Yeah, I think she- a
1: few years older than uh, Ezra maybe. Maybe yeah. two maybe a year so the
0: age doesn't really line up there but you know hopefully at some point we do see a live action Sabine here and I think that you're right here is that there's going to be a completely new character Mm -hmm. there's going to be Someone that's going to be opposite of Han Solo character, someone to you know put a little bit of backbone into him because yeah. I think him playing opposite Princess Leia, a very strong-willed woman, right. really benefited the character yes. there. Right, it really grounded him a bit. And didn't, yeah. you know, he did have all that swagger to him, but she did bring him down to a level here where he's a bit more relatable. Right, and I think this character that Amelia Clark is going to play is going to do exactly that. Right. It's going to be maybe a love interest. Mm-hmm. I don't know how well received a love interest would be. Do we I actually know. need one? And, 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 and,
1: And it was scary going to the book too, the comic books when they kind of brought in his his spoiler, his wife that that kind of scared the audience a little bit there. So, I I, you know I thought she's going to be in this movie too, actually herself, but who knows she could be out there um, in in this movie. The other thing I was going to mention though, I guess I guess I was going to say Apollo. Sorry, I guess (laughs) I guess Lando though we do see him in Rebels, and I think Lando's pretty much like the Lando that we know already from Empire. So I don't know how that would all line up. But um, I'm curious to see if we'll even get um, a Princess Leia
0: yeah in here right Well, she's gonna be pretty young right because we would, did yeah. see her showing up in rebels so yeah. she she's been like 14 15 right yeah that's right yeah because yeah, yeah. she you know was born at the end of Revenge of the sith that's right. and we've got like that that 19 year time gap or whatever it is mm-hmm. and she rebels she's about 14 so again amelia kark's a bit old to, yeah, old to be playing a Leia. that yeah so that was something i thought of too is mm-hmm. are they going to have at least some side tangents where they're explaining a bit more of like what's going on in the Star Wars universe at this point in time with the Senate and the opposition of the Rebellion versus the Empire. Because the other interesting aspect about this film and going into the anthology, you know, Rogue One the Empire is still our main antagonist here, right? Mm-hmm. And we're still with the Rebels, so we're in very familiar territory, although we don't have the Jedis present here. This film, I think, is going to be the first Star Wars film that doesn't have the Empire as a main antagonist of the film, right? Yeah. So we're stepping away from the Skywalker story That's and true. away from a direct Empire story. Of course, we're going to have elements of the Empire there, either chasing Han Solo at some point. But I don't believe, at least from my perspective, that this is going to be a Empire versus Han Solo-centric no. story. This can going to be maybe Han and Jabba or Han and Bounty oh, Hunters. Oh, yeah, or, very personally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you had read the Lando comic that was done by Charles Soule last year, it was about them stealing a ship. Nice. And I think it's going to be about some MacGuffin that's trying to steal something. As pirates, as smugglers, and yeah. just going on this kind of crazy, wacky sort of Han Solo, Chewbacca, Lando, buddy sort of film here, right? right. And I don't think there's going to be a, a this overarching element of the Empire being like the main antagonist mm-hmm. here. I think it's going to be completely something different. Yeah. I think it's really going to benefit that movie, but again, it's another step in the anthology direction away from the stories that we're familiar
1: with. Mm-hmm. Just set in that universe yeah. during that time period yeah. of the Emperor, yeah.
0: So yeah, this film drops May twenty fifth, twenty eighteen. So we got quite some time yeah. before this drops, well over a year and a half. And we're gonna be speculating on this <gasps> right through here. And hopefully someday we're gonna get the first set photos of Han and Lando side oh, by side man. with Chewie there. Just wait for that. that that's oh, gonna blow the. It's internet.
1: gonna blow it right up. How are you doing in the Star um, the, the Han Solo comic?
0: Good. As well? Yeah. Yeah. So that takes place just after A New Hope. Okay. And I'm really liking what they're doing there. Mm-hmm. They've got the the. The voice of Han Solo yeah. is really well embedded in the comic book. The writer's doing fantastic work. The art's great. So yeah, it is. An, I saw that. It's know. another nice book to add into the wealth of comic books that we're getting from the Star Wars universe. And it's adding so much to these characters. Mm-hmm. And I really, really appreciate what they're doing with the Marvel comics. Han is a great one. Star was another one. Yeah. Looking out for that Darth Maul coming here in February. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: right. Is it an ongoing for the Han? The Han is an ongoing. It, okay, I cool. Yeah. I awesome. Think, at least. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Sometimes I think they're ongoing, and then they end up with 13 issues. Yeah. I not Marvel. I thought Darth Vader would be ongoing forever. Yeah. Not so much. That crushed place. me. Yeah. <laughs> um, sticking with comic books here, did you have a chance to read Thanos number one?
1: I haven't, but I heard some pretty crazy things going on in this book.
0: Yes. We're yeah. going to say full spoilers mm-hmm. for Thanos number one, the new ongoing series that just dropped last week. Beautiful art, I'll have to say, right off the bat here. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely fantastic. It picks up right where they left off with the Thanos rising book and like as far as art direction and all that. Like awesome. it's really capturing Thanos in it's not so much the Jim Starling, which sometimes is hard to take in. Like some of that older, like seventies, eighties type yeah. Thanos stuff. Cause you get into that art and sometimes they've done a few books, Hulk vs. Thanos and a few other books where they really tried to project you back into that Jim Starling era of Thanos. Mm-hmm. And the art sometimes, it's very much like Infinity Gauntlet and a few of those others, right? Yeah. You can appreciate for what they did for Thanos, what they did for the universe. But again, the art, present day is a little harder to get into. Yeah. But you think back to even Infinity, the 2013 comic book event with Thanos as a centric antagonist. Yes. Beautiful art. This Incredible. art is, is right along with that. And it's picking up on some of the characters from that story as well. Cool. With Corpus Glade. And this book, spoilers again, great introduction or reintroduction of Thanos here. He's back in a big way. There's references to his involvement in secret wars and civil war. But last page, big reveal, Thanos is dying. That's huge, man. Yes. You have this omnipotent god, this, you know, powerful the infinity gauntlet chaser. The tyrant, right? Yes, exactly. The the man that can't be killed. Mm-hmm is dying from some sort of disease or something. That's what it's alluded to at least. He takes his helmet off and he's bleeding at his face and that. And one thing that I found interesting about this is what it could do for the MCU, for Infinity War in particular. Yes. Because when you think about the MCU, one thing we talked about this Doctor Strange and some of the other villains in that universe is that they are the weaker point of these movies. And because we've been building Thanos since Avengers number one, we've been building this Infinity Gauntlet story since really the inception of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Thanos really has to hit. He can't be another one of these weaker villains. It does not have this well-developed backstory. We've spent so much time teasing him. They need to develop this character. And Infinity Gauntlet, which this film is going to be slightly or loosely based upon, I think, it really has Thanos killing half the Marvel Universe and doing all this destruction... To impress a a woman, more or less, right? You know, to find the favor of Mistress Death. And if that was going to be his pure motivation in Infinity War, I don't know how well received that would be, right? Like, (laughs) it it seems like another one of these, I'm evil for the sake of being evil, I want power to Mm -hmm. impress a girl, right? Yes. And I'm I'm boiling that down to, like, it's essential elements, like infinity gauntlet is a bit more complex than <laughs> that, and it's a great book and read it for sure Must before have, yeah. going into infinity war but i think what this could do if we do have a thanos that has another motivation for collecting the infinity stones other than just to get this omnipotent godlike power right i think that if he's dying or if he has some underlying reason so he, he's being portrayed as this you know he, he can't die or whatever and then all of a sudden He's actually dying in the background. This makes his character so complex. And I love what they're doing in the comic book here. And what they could potentially project into the film as well. Mm-hmm. Do you think that would give a little bit more weight behind the character? Or are you happy with Thanos coming to impress his lady?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I definitely like the alternative with the Gorn here with the, the Thanos number one um that that just be great i mean thanos is he's such a huge presence in the marvel universe with such limited screen time that we've had already through this character so to see what they're going to do and and how they're going to dispose of this character how like how will they defeat thanos right yeah. so if they go this route that'll be interesting my number one thing is, is who do you have replace thanos with with the villains that we have you know after after his his story arc here is is done so basically this one's an ongoing as well this Thanos comic yes it is an ongoing okay cool so it'll be
0: interesting to see how this evolves the character a bit more and we've had a few Thanos more extended miniseries I believe mm. there is one or I know there is one that was 12 issues long and I don't think there's anything that was much longer than that that mm. really kind of dived into Thanos story so yeah it's weird because it's you know it's positioning Thanos as being the character you're following and you have this tendency to see him as more of the protagonist and there's another element in this story, which is Thane, his son, who's made oh, okay. human. One of his many kids, Yeah, one right? of his many offsprings <laughs> yeah. that he hasn't actually gone and killed. Yeah. <laughs> but Thane is in this as well, and there's a book called The God Up There Listening, which focuses around Thane and... If you go back to Infinity and these storylines where you have the Trijana bomb going off and explains a lot more where Thetan came from, and so go back and check those books out before getting into this ongoing. So these these issues look like they're dropping, but once a month, the next one's coming in December. So you do mm-hmm. have a bit of time to go back and revisit. I would say Infinity for sure. Yeah, and then some of the Secret War stuff is pretty good. Got up there listening,
1: and definitely what's the one he had with the origin story?
0: Oh, Thanos oh, Rising. Really, Thanos Rising. That I yeah. love
1: that one. I think it's a four or five part miniseries. Yeah fantastic i really hope they pull some elements from that in his origin story in the mcu yeah because it's it's a really cool origin story for that character yeah we're not gonna spoil anything no yet,
0: but you get strung through there the essence of thanos yeah and it's really cool like i'm a big thanos guy mm-hmm. and i was reading it maybe with an open mind and yeah. i really didn't see what was coming at the end it's kind of telegraphed when you think back at it but when you get to the end you're just like whoa okay that just happened it's, yeah it's pretty crazy and it shows why he becomes who he is, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's a fantastic kind of revisiting of his origins. Love it.
1: The art for that, is it the same artist that did Infinity, or is it a completely different artist? I can't remember. I don't know. They're you know. capturing very similar Similar, elements. though, right? Yeah. yeah.
0: So it, it's good. The art is, yeah, like I said, it's really good in this, and it really captures me. Kind of projects you into that kind of grimy, somewhere between a Star Wars and Guardians kind of galactic universe. Yeah. And I love that aspect of the Marvel Cinematic the whole cosmic end of it. For
1: sure. And they still keep it so colorful, yeah. you know?
0: Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's great. Mm-hmm. Last bit of news here before we get into some wider discussion about Easter eggs is yeah. there is a new director for Deadpool 2 officially confirmed, and it's the John Wick co-director David Leitch.
1: Yeah, Leitch.
0: Leitch. Yeah. This is the man who's going to be helming Deadpool 2. They're already out searching for a different director for Deadpool 3. <laughs> <laughs> so these guys are all over the place. I like the idea, like we've said before bring a bit of different flavor to this mm-hmm. there's been discussions i think ryan reynolds had a big hand into picking this director so i'm a bit more confident in that because there's a few other directors including drew goddard which i think he was a showrunner for daredevil oh, okay and he was in the running i think at least for some of the spider-man stuff as oh, well Oh, that's early great. days yeah so interesting that they've chosen this guy i'm excited to see the different elements that he does bring to the deadpool universe and hopefully hopefully we get something that has evolved a bit from what we saw on screen the first time, but still giving us that same sort of Deadpool.
1: That's right. Um, going back to a couple episodes back, my number one director was Matthew Vaughn, so yeah. you can now throw that out the window. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? i got to tell you, I love this news. I actually like this more than Tim Miller. Yeah. I'm only familiar with John Wick, but John Wick, what they did in that movie, is awesome. It's so cool. Now, if they can keep that same kind of tone going on without the film throughout the film, but also, obviously, incorporate humor, because humor is the biggest selling point for Deadpool, yeah. we're going to have one hell of a movie. Yeah, I can't wait for this movie now because I'm telling you, John Wick is so... If you have not seen John Wick yet, check that movie out. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. fantastic. So, yeah.
0: Something to really look forward to here. This drops... I don't think they've given an exact date at which it's dropping, but probably 2018-2019 time frame somewhat. Yeah, like yeah, because they're all over the place with that universe yeah. too, right? <laughs> <laughs> What do you mean?
1: <laughs> well, you're working on the timeline, so you yeah, got your hands tied. Working it on itself. for months, so
0: I think I've got to kind of sorted out here. Nice. Maybe someday nice. I'll, I'll reveal a little bit of my thoughts. I think it can work. Awesome. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Don't know. Don't know. So we're here to talk a little bit about Easter eggs in comic book movies, in film in general. Here, and what kind of really set us off of this is that Supergirl. I'm not a. I'm not a watcher of Supergirl on the CW, and I'm not too familiar with what's going on. But I did see a report that there was a massive Batman Easter egg dropped in this series. And that kind of got me thinking about some of the favorite Easter eggs that we've seen more prominently in movies today than Mm -hmm. we have in the past. Some of these winks, nods, inside jokes. And it was super cool. Reading this got me really excited about... Further potential Easter eggs in the T V series and in humans yeah. and Age of the Shields, Star Wars Universe, all this. So I guess in this episode, Karen makes reference to a, a certain vigilante here by saying, My cousin knew Superman she worked with in, in this in this series already. Mm-hmm. My cousin worked with a Vigilante once. Tons of gadgets, lots of demons.
1: Oh my god. <laughs> my mind is blown. See, I haven't quite seen this episode yet. Yeah. So I'm gonna check this out for sure, but that... This is huge, guys, because if you go back to Flash Season 2, we got not the Flashpoint universe, but we did get a different time frame. I think it was Earth 2 where Barry went back to his timeline, or a different timeline, and then he saw um, on the phone dial, he saw there was a Wonder Woman reference for the phone number, and there was a Bruce Wayne, and there was, a, I think there was a Clark Kent. So now we're getting another reference to the man himself, Batman the Dark Knight. Yeah. That's huge.
0: Yeah, it's a pretty apt description of Batman. Oh, I think for who sure. Else could like, who be, else right? could it be? Yeah. And they're doing this massive four episode crossover event in the next few days, I'd say right. the next couple of coming weeks. Yeah, with
1: the Arrow, Flash, yeah. I think Legends of Tomorrow, and, yep, and they're Wonder all in Woman Yeah, for sure. Yeah, awesome. I saw
0: some set images there, which looks pretty cool what they're doing. I think this might be the opportunity they take to pull Supergirl into the Arrow, Flash F- universe yeah, proper.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: And so what does that mean for a potential Batman in these universe? Like these are the type of Easter eggs that get us fans, yeah. get everyone jacked up. Right. Yeah. And it's these type of Easter eggs for me personally, that it allows you to feel a bit more for what's going on in the universe. Right. Mm-hmm. You feel like the writers, the producers, the, even the actors are all in the know here and they, you know, respect the source material. And they're doing a lot of this for fan service and teasing yeah. these type of things. It's just like it gets you amped up for these TV shows. When you even just small drop lines, you yep. see this in Agents of the Shield too, right? Yeah. Small drop lines referencing something larger, referencing something, seeding something in the future, and that just kind of gets you that much more excited for what's happening in this universe, right? This cohesiveness of this yes. universe.
1: Yeah, especially with it's Batman. This is huge. We want a Batman. Uh, live action TV series for quite some time now, probably since Smallville.
0: Oh man yeah. That would be that would get me into the C W Oh show. yeah right this would be my avenue in I think is yep. if they spun out some sort of Batman T V series. Apparently CW does have another superhero show in the works. I don't cool. think it's a Batman show okay. but what if it was?
1: I know. <laughs> that'd be interesting because, you know, obviously Fox still has Gotham. So I yeah. wonder how that all works. I mean, obviously CW, home to uh, WB. Yeah. So they would probably have the primary rights to, to the characters. So yeah. that's awesome news. Who knows? Yeah.
0: So that, all, that got me kind of jacked up about talking about some Easter eggs here. James Gunn has also been really present on social media lately. And there's been this constant background discussion with him about an unfound Easter egg in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. And he's even put his money where his mouth is and says, because people are questioning the legitimacy of it, and he's just doing this, he's just trolling people. Yeah. And he says, I bet $100,000 that there is an unfound Easter egg wow. in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. That's crazy. So, I wonder
1: if it's actually literally just an Easter egg in the collector's.
0: <laughs> that would room be pretty there. funny. <laughs> So we're going to talk about some of our our favorite Easter eggs, some of the ones we thought were pretty impactful Mm -hmm. and seeded, you know, some big things for the future. Um, But I really see there as being, you know, two or three different types of Easter eggs. Mm -hmm. And when you talk about Easter eggs, it's, it's less about the kind of obvious story driven sort of Part of the larger arc Of the of story And yeah. more of these Kind of hidden references These nods These winks right Yeah And so it's really These nods to the audience And Pixar does this Really well right Yes It's about you know There's the pizza truck That shows up in every yeah. Single Pixar movie right That's
1: right Or the corporation uh, Big and large Yeah All over that universe right? Yeah And yeah. they
0: have no real Impact on the story itself But again yeah. it's just saying And maybe it does Because it's a Pixar theory And right? it's a great theory If yeah. you guys haven't Checked that one out Yeah, yeah That everything's connected <laughs> And it's these winks And nods that kind of gives you the, the the understanding that this could be one large universe. Right, yeah. Um, and then there's also, you know, fan service references, right? So when that comes mostly in the form of comic book movies yeah. where we're referencing just numbers, 616 and different types of comic books and, yeah. you know, small pieces of comic book lore that no one else is going to get but it's kind of a tip of the hat to the reader, to the comic book gurus of the world, right? The mm-hmm. guys that are in there. At the comic book shop every single Wednesday, and we get these references, and we love that they put them in. Again, coming back to this idea, they respect the source material, right? We have a massive amount of of history and rich source material to pull from, and the fact that they're utilizing these comics and not just kind of going off on their own tangents, yeah. it's it, I, you know, we as fans really appreciate that sort of thing.
1: Certainly do, especially you know, reading these Star Wars books too. Yeah. We're getting lured with them. Oh yes, <laughs> we are. Yeah.
0: And the last type that I do see is seeds for the future and this is something that marvel and dc have really taken advantage of is is slipping in names slipping in elements mm-hmm. you know but it really has impact for the story going forward because it somewhat pigeonholes you with particular characters and it sets you into time frames here right That's when right. characters are present mm-hmm. and certain aspects of a character developing down the road in the future so what we're going to do here is just literally buzz through some of our favorite ones and we'd Sweet. love to hear like we said at the top of the show what are your guys favorite easter eggs in comic book movies, in film in general. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not really going to go through all the different (laughs) Easter eggs because there's hundreds of them. We're going to go skip through some of these and just some of the ones I think personally for me, Mm -hmm. the ones that I, I found kind of enlightening and kind of made me smile when I saw them and some of the other ones that really made me think, really made me go straight to the internet and be like, what does this mean? You know, who is this character? And I find myself, particularly with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., because they don't have the ability to pull from kind of the A-list, the B-list of Marvel's catalog, and they're going to the depths of the C, D, E-list type characters, is they put in characters and and references, and I would even consider them slight Easter eggs when they're kind of one-offs in an episode, Mm -hmm. of characters that have made single-issue appearances but they've taken the time to do the research to find these guys, yes. and not just use random names because it sometimes it really doesn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. And but the fact that the producers, the writers, and that have gone to these lengths to insert small Easter eggs for comic book readers, and you know some of them are really hard to get because you have to have the wealth of knowledge that not many people really right. have. But yeah. I still appreciate what they're doing there. One of the things I wanted to clarify here was Easter eggs is kind of a loose term, and I'm going to be really loose with my definition of it here. It's more of these. Wings, nods, hidden references, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. But one thing I wanted to clarify, and maybe this getting your perspective here, Troy, is do you think post-credit sequences are Easter eggs? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They so,
1: definitely serve that. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah. Okay, cool. So, we're again, we're going with this loose term. Some of you guys may not agree with it, but we're going to talk about more of the references that are not directly influencing that particular movie yeah. and kind of the nods to the wider cinematic universe almost within the continuity, right? Yeah. Kicking off here, one of my favorite easter eggs in film is wolverine's appearance in x-men first class
1: yes oh the bar yeah in the bar oh yeah you know
0: he does the fuck off or yeah. whatever, and i absolutely love that confused the hell of me because i <laughs> thought this was a reboot mm-hmm. and this is somewhat what sent fox down the path of this kind of jumbled universe right? right and it was set off to be a brand new universe a rebooted universe and then now we have Hugh Jackman reprising his role as Wolverine.
1: That's right, and you know what, you know what makes that um, Easter egg so cool and so powerful is the fact that they kept Hugh Jackman under lock. You had no idea he's going to be in that movie. You know,
0: that's what made it impactful for me is that I had no idea what was happening. I was just kind of like, I remember sitting up and being like, "Whoa, Wolverine! Right. What <laughs> What's going on?" And that was kind of at the early stages of the cinematic universes as well, right? Mm-hmm. And having Hugh Jackman part of this universe, it kind of really got the wheels spinning, right? Yeah, what is going on here? So I thoroughly enjoyed that Easter egg. That was—it's one of my favorites, even contained within the whole Marvel Cinematic oh. Universe. I absolutely love that one.
1: It is awesome. It's powerful. its, it's a great scene. Uh, what a mine, man! I loved uh, Iron Man two, Captain America's Shield. Oh yeah. I loved it. when that thing popped up. I was just like, "Wow, like this is real! Like we're getting Captain America!" You yeah. know, I—I I lost my mind. That that shield was so cool. And then you know, get the backstory later on with First Avenger when you get to see the shield created, even though the shield looks completely different.
0: You yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. It's that weird prototype thing because yeah. that does actually show up in Iron Man 1 as well. Oh, it does show up in Iron Man 1? Yeah, oh, it's cool. kind of in the background. It's a really weird scene. It's You know when he's kind of in the gantry and he's getting, and he's taken, getting the suit on? Yeah, yep. it's when he's getting it taken off and Pepper Potts kind of walks in on yeah. him. It's under his arm in the background now, the exact same shield. Right. Oh, yeah. man.
1: And you know, it's cool too because when you see that shield, it really sets the tone already how Tony feels yeah. about uh, Steve Rogers. Which has been played out throughout the whole franchise. Yeah, it's that yeah. animosity
0: that he has for Steve Rogers because his dad never stopped talking about exactly. him. Right? Exactly. It's this relationship that Howard had with, with Steve yes. kind of from the first Avenger and you see that develop later on too. Oh yeah, right? right?
1: So it's, it's, it's huge. It's just a little two second scene but so much impact behind it. Yeah. yeah.
0: And that was when they first started constructing this universe. Mm-hmm. And the, and Marvel has really taken advantage of the Easter eggs in their films. Right, yes. It's become a staple of their films. Absolutely. Seeding for the future. One of my favorite ones from... Iron Man Two as well yeah. was Thor's hammer. Oh, of course, yes. right
1: when uh, when the Agent Carlson, uh, I don't think well, obviously he doesn't pick it up, but he he spots it, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: And it's it's I just love that. That's when I think I've said this before on the podcast too. That's one of my favorite post credit sequence because that made me really realize that this is a larger cohesive universe yeah because before that yeah we got shield and all these references to captain america Mm -hmm. and hulk and all that built within that and you get the avengers initiative kind of finally mentioned in Mm -hmm. there and that's a big easter egg kind of going back to the comic books and the 50 state avengers initiative that we did have post-civil war and so it's huge nods to that but the fact that we had thor's hammer sitting there I was that just blew my mind. That was like one of my favorite Easter eggs of all time. It's just it. it really kind of amped up this idea that they're actually doing this. they're going forward with the cinematic universe mm-hmm. they have controlled these characters. they're producing these movies now yeah and because Colson even makes reference to the Southwest region or I think it was Nick Fury in that movie as well. So I think yeah. they're really building and seeding these ideas for Thor as well mm-hmm. the big three right there in that movie, right oh, so was, cool. so good. And one of the other prominent Marvel, and this is across all Marvel properties, yeah. Easter eggs here, is the cameos of Stan Lee. Yes. What are some of your favorite Stan Lee cameos?
1: Oh, amazing Spider Man 1. Yeah. With Spider Man's fighting the lizard in his high school, there's like a violin scene going on. Stan Lee has, I think he's a janitor, yeah. and he has his headphones on. Spider Man and, Spider-Man and the Lizard are just going at it, and I think Spider Man even saves the table before it strikes Stan yeah. Lee. It's so well done, and it's just, it's like a classic Spider Man feel going on there. So I, I love that one. How about mm-hmm. yours?
0: Fantastic Four, believe it or not. Fantastic One four. and two. So okay. the first one, he plays Willie Lumpkin, which is the mailman from the Fantastic Four comic book, which looks a lot like <laughs> old man Stan Lee. Absolutely love that one. That was a huge nod for me. I used to read some of the older Fantastic cool. Four books, and I really liked that. As well as in Fantastic Four 2, when they deny Stanley's entrance into the wedding. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because yeah. in the original comic book, when Sue Storm and Reader just got married stan lee showed up to the wedding in the comic oh awesome and i freaking love that like i just thought it was just fantastic it's It's so good it was it was such a like on the nose nod to the comic book universe but i just love that they went that deep with it and they said you know what we're gonna put him here and it was just a really great and they kind of saying no no no, you're not on the list and (laughs) i should be on the list and oh i just absolutely love that
1: uh, he's great. I, I even liked him in Avengers Two, Age of Ultron. Yeah. You know, he gets uh, wasted at the end yeah. of that list. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and he and he drops his catchphrase oh, in, in yeah. his slogan pretty Excelsior. much. Yeah, oh it's great. I love that's probably my favorite scene in that movie, actually, was that, that whole uh, party scene. Yeah, that yeah. was
0: good. And you know, while we're talking about Stan Lee here, there's been an ongoing fan theory that Stan Lee is the watcher. Right. Do you think he's the Watcher?
1: I don't think so. I think it's just a fun fan theory. No. I, I I don't. I, I mean, if it, it it could work, I guess. But I, I don't think they're doing that. No. no. It's just I, fun.
0: I think with some of these Easter eggs that they do throw in here, this allows us to speculate as as fans, as podcast hosts, whatever. Yes. It allows us to speculate on the universe here and what they're doing, what they're thinking. And I absolutely love this Watcher theory. Yeah. The fact that Stan Lee is present in every single Marvel
1: Movie right outside of the Marvel Studios.
0: Yes, right? yep. in everything yep. from day one. Right, I like the idea that he seems to be present at big events or something's mm. going on, and this is really what the watch is about like if you read any comic books with the watchers he shows up when a major event's going to happen or right before a major event's about to happen and that's what goes on in all of these films that really. is true yeah and i just think it's a really <laughs> cool theory i know it hasn't been constructed that way mm-hmm. but the fact that you can back yourself in through easter eggs into right? this massive almost universe spanning or multiverse spanning theory i think it's really cool it is it is Let's jump over Star Wars before yes. I get back into some of the, the bigger ones in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Cool. The Force Awakens. So the prequels in The Force Awakens were the first Star Wars movies that allow us to have references to a wider universe mm-hmm. and, and winks and nods. And as we're seeing now, even with the books, we're getting a lot of that. And there's there's so many and too many to go through, right? <laughs> even in Catalyst right now, they're referencing battles and clone wars that mm-hmm. have taken place, I presume, in the Clone Wars TV series, mm-hmm. right? And one of my favorites from Force Awakens was the hollow chess board. Oh, of course.
1: That's classic. Yeah. Right? Yeah.
0: And it was just great seeing, you know, when Finn is is repairing or patching up Chewbacca there and they bump into it. And the chess game continues right off from where it left in episode four. See, I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know it continued right off that. That's yeah. really cool. So then. there's the revenge of the character that kinda of gets squashed oh, in okay. episode four there. And I just love that they throw those little subtleties into the Swords universe again here, where it's very self-referential, but at the same time, it just makes you think like, yes, it takes you back. Like, yeah. I think that's a big thing with Easter eggs. It not only brings you into the know, but it also helps remind you of what's going on, both in past movies and what's going to happen in future movies. And that's right. I just, ugh, man, I know I've said I love it a hundred times, but it was, it was great. And episode one, did yep. you ever catch, and I remember rewinding this on a VHS tape. <laughs> I think I know where you're going.
1: E.T. Yeah. E. in the Senate. So funny after uh, Padme's <laughs> yeah. speech. That's hilarious. There's like, there's like six of them. Yeah. Right? And E.T. even actually looks right at the camera. Yeah. You know, that's hilarious.
0: Yeah. And it's a nice nod from George Locust to Spielberg, yeah. one of his buddies. And we get, the, like, <laughs> cool is that, right? It's, it's really funny. It has no impact, but yeah. again, it's a lot like we're seeing with some of these these Easter eggs, particularly in the Marvel Universe when we get to Odin's Vault and the Collector's mm-hmm. Museum, is that it's just nods. It's yeah. just like, hey, guess what? We, we, we're having some fun here. We put E.T in the Star Wars yeah, universe.
1: It's so good. It's so good. Uh, going back to even the prequels, uh, episode two, not the biggest Easter egg, but for some reason, I just I just really appreciate the line that um, Obi-Wan delivered, Ewan McGregor, when after they walk into the bar, even though Anakin goes deliberately against... Obi Wan's orders, as he always does, and he, you know he just kind of gets up and he says, "Anakin, I feel like you're going to be the death of me." And I know it's very small, but it's it's very on the nose. Yeah. But just the way Ian Mcgregor delivers it, I just I just I just love that scene. So that's a little a little Easter egg there that I yeah. that I like because I am a prequelist, so I appreciate those things. <laughs> <laughs> nice portion yeah, yeah, gotta love it. You get any more Star Wars? No, actually you no, know there's this is a Star Wars and Indiana Jones one. Yeah. Um Indiana Jones, I can't remember which movie it is, but when he's about to do something in the temple, if you look, there's um on 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 the walls there, you can see C3 oh, yeah, and Archie. Yeah. Which yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. is a pretty cool little cameo uh, by those two joys that we all
0: love. Yes, because it's a galaxy yeah. long, long time ago in a <laughs> exactly. far, far away, right? Yeah, so it works. <laughs> <laughs> Jumping back into the MCU here. A couple of these movies have had some massive rooms full of items. One being Odin's vaults. And we've spoken a bit about this in the past. A couple of the big things that you find... Big big Easter eggs in Odin's vault. Here is one: is the Infinity Gauntlet. Yes, it is present in Odin's vault, and it is the right-handed Infinity Gauntlet. Oh, which is interesting because the one that Thanos picks up at the end of Age of Ultron is the left left hand. hand. Yeah, yeah. So we have two Infinity Gauntlets in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is interesting.
1: So how's that work with the gems then, or the stones?
0: I don't know. This almost comes back to a little bit of I can't remember if the stones are actually present in probably not, but. Mm in the Odin's Vault Infinity Gauntlet, Mm. but it kind of goes back to this idea about writing yourself into a bit of a corner, right? Yes. They probably didn't really know they're going down this path towards an Infinity Stone or... Because I really don't think they kind of really grasped this until for the Dark World, right? Yeah, that's right. Because that's the first kind of outright reference to an Infinity Gem, right? Mm -hmm. And what they did here was it might have been a bit of like we don't really want to explain why Thanos went into Odin's vault and we don't want need to show that so we're just going to have him have another gauntlet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. It's There may be some way to explain around it. I don't know but I'm sure there's still just going to be you know the, the, the gems themselves and the one gauntlet is going to be the one that's actually important here. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So and also you do see in Odin's vault in the original Thor here you see uh, the Eternal Flame which I think is a bit important because it's kind of like this mystical flame uh, that can't be extinguished and it was stolen from Surtur. Oh. By Odin, and that's really to prevent him from lighting up his his sword and all that, and bringing about Ragnarok. Oh, and so this could be an important Easter egg that was seeded in Thor one mm-hmm. for Thor Ragnarok as well. Yeah, so it'd be interesting to see if there's any sort of development on that. I don't know if there's going to be, but again, it's really cool that they've included some of these things. There's a few other uh, relics in that room as well. The test racks in there now. Oh yeah, and, and so it's it's cool. And then also the collector's museum. This was packed. Full of little Easter eggs, right? We've got the Chitari and the Dark Elves were in there. Right, yeah. Adam Warlock's cocoon. Ah
1: uh, yes, that's a big one, right? Yeah,
0: that shows up at the end of Thor of the Dark World in the post credit sequence, mm-hmm. kind of in the background. Does show up in the Collectors Museum in Gardens Galaxy as well. Of course, yeah. So it's really cool nod to potentially Adam Warlock, mm-hmm. it'd be awesome if we saw him in Infinity War. Uh, I'm hoping we get that character. He's a big part of Infinity Gauntlet, right? So, and he's the one, the the controller of the Soul Stone, at least mm-hmm. on in, his forehead. There, yeah, yeah. I think that's going to be Ego. That'd yeah, be my okay, guess. yeah. That's my yeah. guess, but uh, we'll see how that develops. I,
1: I still wish they made Adam Warlock the dad. Yeah, that yeah I wow. think that would be really cool. That would have made a lot more sense. Yeah, yeah. I really think so. You yep. know.
0: So, also, they had the slugs from James Gunn's Slither. Slither, yeah, right cool. There.
1: Yeah. Howard the Duck. Of course. The cosmos. Right, and he is the first one to have a movie by Marvel, really, yeah. right? Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah late 80s there, early yeah. 80s. Yeah.
0: Uh, and there's also this yellow alien with a red cape. Yes, yes. Benny Ray Bill, right? Potentially sitting backwards. Has yeah. never been fully acknowledged by James Gunn or Marvel, it's whether very or not. It's to see. You can't see his head is yeah. a problem, right? He doesn't do the turn. You don't see the extra hammer. Mm-hmm. But Beta Ray Bill does show up in the new Thor comics. So pretty cool. Nice little reference yeah. there that Beta Ray is tied to Thor so heavily. And Earth's Mightiest heroes really emphasize that as well. There's some really great yes. Beta Ray Bill stuff in there. And he's a fantastic character. It would yeah. be really cool if he showed up. And so. again, it's it's very subtle. It's He's yellow and he's got a cape. Yeah. Could and he kind of has like a horse beak there, right? Yeah, Yeah. So...
1: Um, going back again I believe Iron Man 2 We see Human Torch Right We get to see His actual robotic Human Torch body In that museum Or, or, the, or the Stark The That's Stark showing first. That Avenger. First Avenger Yeah for, I always get those parts Mixed up Yeah So it is First Avenger When we see that robot uh, The original Human Torch yeah. So this is different Than the Fantastic Four Human Torch This is the original John Hammond Yeah uh, John Hammond Yeah Maybe that might yeah. be the guy from Jurassic Park as well, <laughs> but he's basically a robot, so he he wasn't on no um, space trip with his with his family there. Yeah. This android. is a robot, an android that uh, lights on fire. The original first Human Torch, yeah. alongside with the Submariner and Captain America and Bucky. Yeah, yeah, and
0: what's interesting about the original Human Torch elements and parts of him as an android were used to construct the original Vision. That's in the right, as and well, Wonder too. Man, signing,
1: yeah. signing, which is a weird origin story. Yeah, for very strange. Too. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that that's another one that that whole element that they use, and I don't know if you consider it an Easter egg or some offhanded reference to Disney, mm-hmm. is that Iron Man Two, as well as the First Avenger, those those World's Fairs are very reminiscent of Disney kind of s things, and then yeah. that speech that Howard Stark when he was John Slattery in Iron Man Two, okay. that speech he gives about uh, the World's Fair and starting and all that, that's very much Walt Disney. That's very
1: right. like, Saving like, Mr. Banks. That's like right out yeah, of that movie. Yes,
0: <laughs> it's. It's that portrayal, and they're really yeah. leaning heavily on that source material. Not so much source material, but they're really leaning heavily on the fact that Howard Stark is kind of like Walt Disney, Walt Disney. Yeah. yeah, even with the booze and all that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's really cool. I really love that aspect yeah. of it, and that really gives me kind of a... It's almost like an Epcot vibe, the World's Fair type mm-hmm. thing, right? And I really like that they're kind of really leaning heavily on that reference.
1: Yeah, that's that's really cool. Um, Ant-Man. Yes. Ant-Man's reference to oh, Spider-Man. I was waiting for that. Oh, man, I love that one. Like, I... I, I I kind of lost my mind when I heard that reference. Yeah. I was like, wait, are they talking about who? Is this Daredevil? No, it can't be Daredevil. They're actually talking about Spider Man. So that's a pretty cool reference there. Yeah,
0: and that yeah. was just after they had signed up Spider Man to be in the MCU. Yeah, this they is just the first reference. Like, I feel like they re- must have recorded two different versions definitely. of that Yeah, definitely <laughs> it was did. It's like, here's the one with the web crawler like, when he's in here, and here's the one that's referring to something else, right?
1: Love that scene. So that so, was great.
0: And, you know, one Easter egg that we're really missing in the films right now is a reference to the Netflix series, to Daredevil. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We've been to the Jessica Jones there's none of this kind of reciprocating right so we do see the TV Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm sure we're going to see a lot of references from Inhumans to the wider Marvel Cinematic Universe but we don't get the opposite way also does Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. reference the Netflix universe at all I don't know actually that's a good point I don't think oh there is one Absorbing Man so they're not really Absorbing Man I believe that there is a reference in this current season if I'm not mistaken there is a small Easter egg where it does mention that there's gang activity in Hell's Kitchen. Cool. It's kind of scrolled across the ticker tape at the bottom of an interview of uh, one of the oh. the antagonists, these, uh, I can't remember what they're called. Anyway, so they're guys that are chasing the Inhumans. Okay. And it's a small reference to Hell's Kitchen. So that would probably be the first time that the show, Age of Steel, has referenced the Netflix, Netflix. series. Okay. But the Netflix series do reference the larger events, particularly more or less just... The Avengers events, the Battle of New York, right? Yeah, the
1: big green guy. Yeah. yeah.
0: And you know, they reference, and there's some newspaper articles in the background there kind of referencing what's happened as far as the Battle of New York. Mm-hmm. There's references in Jessica Jones to Captain America, and then we have Nuke and all like, that. There's, so there's a lot of really cool stuff in those Netflix series as well, yep. nodding to the Wider Cinematic Universe, these small Easter eggs that kind of get you amped up that do demonstrate if nothing else, the continuity and the cohesiveness of the MCU, even if it's not reciprocated in the films. That's right. So there's there's, there's so much cool stuff. The references to Wakanda in Iron Man yeah, 2. They... And you know we get it in Age of Ultron as well mm-hmm. with uh, Ulysses' claw and vibranium. And yeah. we do see all these elements tying this together. And Easter eggs really do play a big part in tying this universe together, right? Mm-hmm. It's these... I keep saying Easter eggs. It's these little <laughs> references that tie... The wider cinematic universe together When we can't exactly show it
1: That's right A great example of that actually Was to play on words Is the Great scene of Civil War When Peter Parker's first introduced You know Robert Downey Jr. Kind of mentions Hey we've been waiting for you For a long time Which is like how the audience Has been feeling about Accepting Spider-Man yeah. In that universe He says did you not get the emails Which is a huge thing With the email hacking going yeah. on So I really like that scene It's full of easter eggs If you go back and watch that scene Yeah, yeah.
0: Fantastic stuff, oh. and we can't forget about DC here. Of course not, no. <laughs> there's a few in Man of Steel, and this was, again, the, one of the foundational movies of the DC Cinematic Universe, so there's references to LexCorp, there's a tower here in the background, yes. there's the Wayne Enterprises satellite. yes that they kind of crash into here. And then even stepping into Batman vs. Superman, this is when they really started seeding and utilizing Easter eggs format here and seeding things for the future. So we had the big Omega symbol in the nightmare scene. Yes, We had the... What are those flying things called?
1: Oh, the parademons. Parademons.
0: So again, it's part of... The story itself, but I think it's a it's a nod to something bigger in the comic books, right? Dark side coming. That's the the Omega symbol. That's right. Even
1: even Batman's nightmare sequence. That suit is very reminiscent of the uh, Batman steampunk or gaslight. I yeah. think it is something like that. So that's kind of reminiscent. Um, the scene where Lex Luthor has that speech in front of everybody, and he's talking about uh, I think Zeus, and oh, the camera yeah. goes right on Wonder Woman. So that's a little play on the new 52 origin of wonder woman they haven't confirmed if she is the daughter of zeus yet i'm hoping they go, go that route so that's a kind of cool scene there yeah. i like that
0: and even the reference to the death of robin
1: yes oh that's a big one yeah yeah
0: so that's kind of stuck in there it is focused in on a bit and it seems to be some of the driving motivation behind batman coming out of retirement and why he is the way he is mm-hmm. um, so it does have some implications for the wider arc of mm-hmm. batman but at the same time it's a nice little nod to what's at least happened in the past with Joker.
1: That's right. So,
0: you know, that kind of wraps it up here. Yeah. We, you know, this turned into a little bit of a, we kind of divulged a bit into some of our favorite scenes <laughs> in comic book movies and Star Wars and all that. But I think it's fun to discuss some of the elements that make comic book movies what they are. Yes, And it's something that we've come to expect. And if these weren't in there, I don't think the movies would be the same. If mm-hmm. we're not getting off references to the future, to Doctor Strange and Winter right. Soldier, mm-hmm. which again was a little bit of an issue, if you go back to our... Our discussion of Doctor Strange a few episodes back, we talk about how that Easter egg itself... It had more of a negative impact, I would say, almost on the character, because we're always trying to place Doctor Strange mm-hmm. into the cinematic universe and understand that. And it came down to an offhanded comment from Kevin Feige that kind of put that to bed. Mm-hmm. But it was a lot of speculation built around that little Easter egg, That's right. you kind of rating yourself into a corner again there.
1: Yeah, and you know, now you bring that up too. Sorry, I know we're finishing up here, but that reminds me of Iron Man One. I believe they've been sprinkling the Mandarin's uh, was it ten, 10 rings? rings, yeah, and they've just gone nowhere with it. Yeah, you know, so they kind of tied themselves in a corner once again. Yeah, they so, kind of
0: ended that with yeah. the Trevor Slattery and the Mantra. In it. They <laughs> yeah. had the, all those one shots that kind of tried to wrap some of that up. Yeah,
1: out. just didn't quite work out. No, no, so
0: there are pitfalls to throwing too much into a movie. Yeah. Too many Easter eggs, too many references to future events when you haven't exactly ironed out some of the wrinkles in the I like storytelling. The pun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unintentional. <laughs> maybe intentional. No, so if you guys have some of your favorite Easter eggs, some of the ones that we've missed, some important ones, maybe from other elements of film maybe not particularly comic book movies other things in Star Wars some of the nods that you guys really enjoy I know there's tons and ages of the shield and some of these TV shows mm-hmm. let us know your thoughts you can always grab us that hashtag enter the nerd room our Twitter handles are at the end of the episode you can hit us up on Facebook YouTube comments all that kind of stuff we'd love to hear what you guys are thinking all right so Troy yeah man it's been an absolute pleasure talking Easter eggs here yeah love talking Star Wars comics film all that kind of stuff All that good stuff. If you guys are a fan of Star Wars Rebels, be sure to check out our other podcast, Star Wars Rebels Alert, which drops every single Monday where we recap and discuss each new episode of Star Wars Rebels. We're looking forward to, again, talking as a community about Star Wars Rebels. You can always catch us on the same feed that you're listening to right now. And we're going to be back next week talking all things comic books and movies. Not sure exactly what I'm going to be talking about, (laughs) but it's going to be something related to that, nonetheless. (laughs) All right, until next week... For the Nerd Room, I'm Tim. I'm Troy. And thank you for entering the Nerd Room. Don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes. You can find our hosts Tim Sunday and Troy on Twitter at thenerdrm, one nine one two podcasting, and Troy the boy eighty seven.